0: Sophia. today we have an amazing guest i'm so excited to bring him on we have political rock star Femi. hey what's up thank you for being here i really appreciate it. i know you're like mad busy how are you yeah, doing
1: sorry I've, I've literally just biked across my city so i'm a bit sweaty
0: oh my god nice so welcome to twitch hey have you ever been on, on Twitch before?
1: I've been on Twitch. I've got, I've got myself a Twitch account. It's only just this year, so I've had it for about six months or so.
0: You should definitely start streaming.
1: I probably should. I probably should. I've started streaming a little bit on TikTok, but I haven't really got it up on Twitch yet.
0: Nice. So where are you from?
1: Uh, so I was born in the UK, in the north of England, in Darlington, uh, northeast. Where's uh, So, you know Newcastle? Yeah. Yeah, so um, it's basically about 20 miles south of Newcastle.
0: So I, I thought, yeah, from hearing you speak, like, yep. I thought you was Irish. Have you ever got that before? <laughs> um, uh,
1: so the, the number one guess is American, and then it's, then it's Scottish, and then, then just straight English. Irish is definitely a first, I think.
0: Oh my, you say first, like that's so Irish. <laughs> <laughs> I legit thought you was Irish. Uh, so Darlington is near Liverpool.
1: Uh, no, near Newcastle, Newcastle. New.
0: Oh, okay, cool, nice. So,
1: so the is it
0: is it like a multicultural there? Because I know at North it's kind of like very. Each not, each part no. is different, right?
1: I wouldn't say Darlington was that multicultural. Um, Middlesbrough maybe, but Darlington not so much.
0: Nice. So that's where you grew up.
1: Yeah, that's well, no, that's where I was born. I grew up all over the UK. I, I've lived in. Darlington, Middlesbrough, Birmingham, Dundee, so Scotland for a bit, Swansea, uh, and then mainly in, the, mainly in the West Midlands, so Birmingham sort of area.
0: Nice. I lived in Coventry for a little while.
1: Coventry, okay. So I'm in I'm in Solly Hall right now, and Brumsgrove is where I mainly grew up, so Coventry's just down the road.
0: Yeah, no, you don't sound like Birmingham, but that's probably a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> so
1: yeah, there's definitely, definitely a hierarchy like... of accents.
0: Yeah, no, I don't know, like, I feel like in the UK, um, Mm -hmm. there are pleasant accents that I like to listen to. Um, The West is ones that I I draw the line. (laughs) West (laughs) is
1: I think my favorite has to be Scottish, to be honest.
0: Nice. I like British accents, like, you know, like very English. I tried to put it on, but I sound hood, so. (laughs) So a majority of my audience is American. Um, Mm. so they they're not really familiar with Brexit. They don't know what's going on in the UK. So I was like, who is the best person to come and educate us about this? And you know, did my research and you're like number one. (laughs) Happy to be here. Awesome. So how did you get into political activism?
1: So basically, I studied law, uh, specializing in EU law, and I I learned French as well. So I actually spent one of my years of of uni, university, college, as your audience would call it, in France, um, studying law with French students. And then I came back to the UK, moved towards human rights sort of stuff in the EU. So working in Brussels and Belgium uh, with the European European Union institutions, uh, basically pushing for human rights policy. And while I was there, I noticed that um, basically our country, England, in the United Kingdom, was selling weapons to Saudi Arabia and, and basically do really bad human rights stuff in, in the Middle East. And uh, the EU was trying to basically stop us from doing that. So for me, I saw the, e- the UK in like a battle, there was like a battle for the soul of the UK. Are we going to be the guys or not? Which involved the EU. And then when we heard that Brexit was going to happen, that would basically sever the ties between. the the UK and the EU, which I thought would be a massive loss for human rights. And I also listened to the debate that was going on. And having studied the EU law, I realized that the politicians that were explaining everything to the people of the UK didn't know what they were talking about. And so I basically started making little videos, making graphics, just trying to explain stuff. But in 2020, no, sorry, in 2016, I had uh, 20 followers on Twitter. So... I had nowhere near the kind of reach I have had now, so I was saying all the same stuff, but nobody was hearing it. So it just it took me a, a long time to basically grow the sort of following that I could basically start influencing things in any sort of way.
0: Did you not ever want to become a lawyer for human rights?
1: That was kind of a little bit of the plan, um, but I was also just very much aware that um, the law isn't necessarily good. Like some laws are just bad objectively. Like for example. When I was at law school, the definition for theft, um, you could basically get you could, the, the jury could let you off on theft if either the jury thought that you thought your sorry. Either the jury thought your actions were honest and decent or the jury thought that the defendant thought that the average person would do the same thing. Now The problem with that is the if bad people don't think they're bad. Bad people do bad stuff because they think everybody else would do the same thing. And so somebody who's good is more likely to think that their actions were wrong than a bad person. So a guilty person is more likely to walk free than an innocent person. And so I realized that the law, if you want to make a difference, you need to basically change the laws themselves. And that means going into politics rather than law.
0: Wow. So you started making short videos on Twitter, right? And what was the first video that went viral?
1: Uh, I think the first video that went, um, quite viral was when I, we have a guy called Nigel Farage. Yeah. Um, Yeah. He, uh, he, he, comes over to the States a bit as well. Um, he likes it there. He's a friend of Trump, friend of Steve Bannon. Um, he's basically our, our country's big, like racist politician sort of thing. Um, uh, and he was the one who, he had a show on, on LBC, a radio show in the UK, and it's uh, aired every single night. And I basically started calling up on his radio show. And I got him to just one by one admit that all the things he said to get people to vote for Brexit were lies. Um, and, I did, and so all those videos started going viral. And that's sort of how I can, kind of made a name for myself online.
0: Wow. When did you get the idea to do that? That's really, that's really
1: interesting. <laughs> well, it was just because I've been frustrated with the politicians for about a good year and a half at that point. And so I thought that this was a good way to sort of uh, show everybody that these politicians don't know what they're talking about, or at least they know what they're talking about, but they're lying to you.
0: So, wait, his listeners, did they start like following you? Because I imagine like London, like everyone in London who listens to that radio station must have heard you, right?
1: Uh, yeah. So, it, it, the, I got the trolling really started once I started interacting with Nigel Farage. So, I've had since since doing that and since really getting involved in this sort of stuff. The well, in the three years where Brexit could have been stopped, so from 2016 to 2000, 2019, I was getting abuse every minute, uh, threats of violence every month, threats of murder every three, four months or so. Um, so yes, uh, I, I attracted some some of his people.
0: Wow, How, what what kept you going having that kind of like hate?
1: Uh, just the knowledge that if you don't, if I didn't do everything that I could to stop what happened, i.e. Brexit, I wouldn't be able to live with myself. And looking around where we are now, we've seen that um the our, basically our experts in government are saying that the damage of Brexit is going to be twice as bad for our economy as the damage of the pandemic. We've got um, a shortage of butchers because our, the people who basically made our food very much EU citizens and because we've damaged the relationship there, We now have a shortage of that. And that's resulted in so far 16... No, sorry. 30,000 pigs have had to be culled because we haven't got anyone to turn them into food. And it's set to be about 120,000. And we're dealing with basically throwing away lots and lots of food whilst we're already dealing with a a rising... a a food price um, crisis. So we're throwing away food when people really desperately need food. And if I'd been watching that, knowing I hadn't done everything I could to stop it, I wouldn't be able to live with myself.
0: Wow. Have you faced any stigma like being... Nigerian like background or like a man of color, right? And uh, Mm -hmm. Brexit people are very racist, right? They want predominantly everyone to be white in the UK, right? Um, Have you, have they said any racial marks and how do you deal with that?
1: So there's definitely a racist uh, rhetoric behind Brexit. um, And there's definitely the racists in the UK, they voted Brexit. Unfortunately it's not that simple. So yes, there were the people that were racist and so like I said a lot of the death threats and, and threats of violence that I've gotten the abuse there's always a racial or well, there's often a racial undertone to it uh and you could tell the way they were doing it for example with Nigel Farage he used a poster showing refugees saying we have to stop this sort of thing even though the EU hasn't EU EU uh, migration has nothing to do with refugees from Syria uh, he basically pointed to the sort of people who visually he knew that his voters wouldn't like and said, oh, be scared of immigration sort of thing. So it was definitely that. Unfortunately, there was a mix between people like him and ordinary working class people who needed things to change. So, for example, the parts of the country in this, there's a similar thing happened in the States as well. Parts of the country that have been left behind by politics, ignored by politics. They always vote the same way. So nothing ever really changes. They don't trust the other side. And so politics has no reason to really help them. And they saw Brexit as the first chance to really make a difference. they thought that if they gave politics a big shake, they, then maybe uh, London might actually take notice of the parts of the country where, where they live that don't get any investment and nothing really. Uh, and there's not really that much opportunity. So they hoped that things would make things better. Unfortunately, the racists voted the same way. And so they all ended up getting tarred with the same brush.
0: Wow, that's crazy. So um, do you think that the people like of England, they've been told misinformation, like the English people have been told, mis- like, oh, all the Europeans from Eastern Europe, they're coming and they're taking all your jobs, right? And you're going to have no jobs. So you have to get these people out, because you're going to be homeless, <laughs> hungry, and everything under the sun, right?
1: Yeah, there was a lot of misinformation about, about immigration, because, uh, so for example, uh, EU citizens, citizens from other European countries, they made up 5% of the UK's population, yet they made up 10% of our doctors. So mathematically, EU immigration was keeping our country alive. Not to mention they contribute uh, more, on average, t- £2,000 a year in taxes to our economy than Brits born here. Um, And there was also a line, that's one of the things that Nigel Farage was saying, but there were no controls in immigration available under EU law. And I got him to admit, admit that that wasn't true. So the, the the entire rhetoric was broken about the effect of immigration and the controls available on it. Um, and it was just an utter con by the racist politicians in the UK.
0: Do you, do you think that Nigel himself is actually racist or he's just doing it as like a money scheme or, you know, like just to be relevant?
1: I think um, he... So it depends what you think of, of the definition of racist is. Racist in the sense of, do I think Nigel Farage hates people of a different colour? I don't think he hates them. But racist in the sense of, are my, am I willing to push policies and push rhetorics and attitudes that will ultimately hurt people from ethnic minorities? He's absolutely willing to do that. And so if by that definition of racist, yes, he absolutely is.
0: Do you think he is like, he doesn't understand that, that it's not hurting the 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 actual British people by having all these foreigners in the country. Like it doesn't actually hurt British people. Do you think he thinks that he actually does? And so he's gone out of his way to be like the hero for Britain. like I'm coming to save you.
1: yeah, I think I think he does believe in some sort of purity uh, as some sort of pure British identity, and he believes that he believes in keeping things separate. um and that's uh, yeah, I think that's the ideology behind him.
0: Did you watch his documentary years ago on Sky? They did one on UKIP and everyone was wearing purple and yellow and they just like were really like straight. It was so strange, I swear. Oh my God. Did you ever watch it?
1: I, I don't think I watched the documentary on UKIP, but I remember him leading UKIP and it was just uh, racism incorporated. It was, um, these people were a joke.
0: Yeah, but I, I like, I don't know. Do you like, they like, they don't seem, they just seem like they 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 lack information to me, right? It's like, it's not like they, they, they don't like Indians and they don't like Black people. They're just scared that they're coming, you know, to take all their everything. So I think if, if they were so, re- re- reassured that, look, it's good for the economy, do you think that they, w- they would be on board or... Are they actually racist? I don't
1: know. So it depends what you mean by they, because the, the you got to separate the people that lead these narratives, so the politicians, the journalists, etc., and the people who, on the street who actually vote vote for these people, because there's there's a difference. Like if you are on if you're extre- if you're struggling, if you have nothing in your area, no opportunities, no jobs, you're struggling to feed your kids, etc., and you don't, and you see that there are people often in London, who have lots of wealth, and you see that it is possible to live like that, yet you don't have that opportunity, you're gonna be constantly asking yourself, why is it like this for me? And so when your political leaders then say, no, 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 the reason you're poor isn't because we've hoarded all the wealth in London or because we 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 don't give opportunities to you and we make, we structure taxes and we don't pay our taxes. It's because that person of a different color next door to you, that um, person coming from another country, they're the ones taking your benefits. They're the ones who you should be angry at. And so uh, often that feeling comes from a place of desperation.
0: Wow. I say wow a lot, if you haven't noticed. <laughs> but so, so, like okay, so you started building this following on Twitter, right? And you're still working, you still had your day job. So you were still working. Uh, no, trying- I,
1: I quit I quit my day job in December, 20, 2017. Um, no, I know so but when I basically,
0: you first started Twitter, you still had your job, right?
1: Yes, yes, yes. So in what 2016. You think,
0: I want to do this full-time. Like I'm willing to like, give everything.
1: So it was 2000, it was late 2017. I was working in Vienna. I was I'd managed to go viral a few times, taking down out of Farage, and uh, I was getting a bit of a following. Um, and I was seeing that there we were heading towards maybe at some point there may be a, a Brexit deal negotiated and then people would finally see that it doesn't match up with what they voted for in 2016. And so I saw there was a real opportunity there, and there were lots of people saying, we need to hear from young people, and young people don't seem to have a voice in this, even though young people were the angriest about it because we're the ones who had to live with it for the longest. And so I thought, and so people were saying, we need to have some sort of youth movement. You're the loudest young voice on this issue. Do something. And so I hooked up with a bunch of um, young people who were also angry about it, we formed a movement called Our Future, Our Choice. Um uh, and we bas- I basically said, all right, I'm coming home. And so I quit my internship and came back to the UK and we did this full time and I haven't really looked back.
0: Wow. That's that's incredible. Were you not nervous? Like, you know, because if you have like guaranteed income, like a job, right? And then you're going into activism, you don't know what's gonna happen, you know, it's dangerous. You're in, As, I can you're imagine entirely right. I came parents back- are like straight. <laughs> Are you very strict? <laughs> yeah.
1: Uh, yeah, it, yeah, they are they are quite strict. They're definitely quite strict. Um uh but I came back and I was living in my parents' loft for the first uh I was it was halfway between my parents' loft and uh, my brother's couch. And my brother's four years younger than me. Um and I was living like that for about a good three months or so um until we got enough cash that I could basically um uh move into a place with the rest of the team um in london
0: that's so cool so you were living together and you were doing activism together
1: oh yeah it was intense (laughs) It's almost like
0: a sorority club though right kind of yeah
1: so and i and i honestly didn't last like i was living with them for about five maybe four or five months and then eventually i just my my mental health just took an absolute nosedive and so london basically isn't for me i I came back to birmingham and, and i've been living in uh soli hall ever since
0: wow what is it about london you don't like
1: i think i just it's a there's so many people which means Mm. that it feels if you don't have a social network around you and all your entire life is just work it's very easy to feel isolated and alone um second of all the quality air quality as somebody who grew up in the northeast in the west midlands much better air we don't have that kind of traffic all around you, that feeling when you ride your bike behind a bus, you can feel the years dripping off your life as you breathe in the exhaust fumes. It's not really for me. Not to mention, it's just in terms of practicality, um, the people who I needed to convince didn't live in London. London voted Mm -hmm. heavily against Brexit. And so I was constantly having to jump on a bus to the other side of the country in order to speak to people I actually needed to reach. So it was better to be based in the Midlands.
0: Is it nerve-wracking going out and doing like on the ground activism? You know, you're meeting, you're going to the North where I, I imagine some of these people are proper racists, right? And then you you're like, you're going there and they're like, what's this guy doing here? And then you're trying to convince them that they're making the wrong decision. How do you get
1: through mm. to people like that? So, yeah, I mean... It- it was always a question was always a, like a roll of the dice as to what sort of person you'd be running into. Are you going to re- occasionally you'll meet a remainer, but um a lot of time it'll be somebody who voted leave. and they'll either be the the, the thing of, honestly, the best thing about this entire the entire campaign for me inside was realizing that the people who voted Brexit are not the same thing as you see on TV. They're not the same thing as you see on social media. Because if you watch if you just watch social media, if you just watch the news and you hear the loudest voices speaking, you'll think that it's just these really aggressive racist types. But when you actually go out and meet them, you see that what I said, that desperation, that need mm-hmm. for things to change, that recognition that this system doesn't work for them and they needed things to change. And unfortunately, the only people who are offering a real change, unfortunately it was the wrong change, but the only people offering any kind of change were the people who were racists. And so they voted with. People like Nigel Farage, people like Boris Johnson, just out of desperation. And if you, but if you actually go speak to them, they're, they were a lot more reasonable. I'd go to them. I'd say, All "Right, why did you vote for Brexit?" Uh, they'd say, "Well, we wanted to basically take back control to make our own laws independently of the EU." I'd say, "Well, it, we un- we, un- we ultimately are going to end up having to do most of our trade with the EU anyway, which means we're going to have to end up copying the rules of the EU. So We don't have to pay for the extra cost of having to make different types of the same products so they're compatible with different types of laws." And which means we end up, we're going to end up following the rules the EU makes without actually having any say over those rules because we're no longer members of the EU, which means that we're going to end up with less control over our country than we had before. What do you think? Well, that's, that's, that doesn't make sense at all. So I guess we shouldn't do Brexit then. And I had that conversation hundreds of times across the North, across the North, in Wales, in all those places that voted leave. Um, but unfortunately it just wasn't enough by the time when the time came and because our system, our voting system is crap even though parties that were offering to basically stop brexit got most of the votes the pop, so the popular vote went my way the the system basically put the tories and the conservatives in charge
0: so when it actually came into place and brexit got the 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 higher vote um mm. how did how did that make you feel because you had been working th- your ass off technically to mm-hmm. campaign against it and trying to educate people on what they don't know, right? And tell them mm-hmm. like, look, this isn't good for you. You might think it is, but it really isn't.
1: So unfortunately, like some from, from, well, when the, when the Brexit vote happened first in 2016, my first thought was, well, my country will never be good again. That was my first thought because I'd seen Nigel Farage spew this racism over TV. And so my thought was, well, if he's managed to convince the majority of this country, clearly I'm not welcome here. Um, that was my thought then. It took me a while, as I said, by speaking to people in those areas that voted leave to realize, okay, they're not just racist. They're, these are people that are desperate for change. Um, and then come the start of 2019, I knew, like, I, I've got several tweets saying this. What, if, the, if an election gets called, the majority is going to vote for parties that are saying we should have a second referendum so we can stop Brexit. But the, but Boris Johnson and the Tories will still win because our voting system is crap. And that's exactly what happened. And I can tell you, on the day of the election, even after I voted, as I was about to head back down on the train to London to basically deal with all the media stuff and the TV stuff, I was sat in my car in that train station just crying because I knew exactly what was going to happen. I knew that what I predicted would happen, and it did happen. And after that, uh, I'm not going to lie, my mental health has never been worse for the two months after that, or for the month and a half after that. Um, I think I'm probably one of the very few people in the world who their mental health gradually got better as the pandemic progressed. Um, because where I was at the start of 2020 is a very bad place.
0: So I, I'm born and raised in Africa. Yeah. But I lived Mm. in London for like 10 years. Right. And I'm European, Mm. like by paper, I'm European. Right. So Mm. when the Brexit thing happened, I had, I had like, I feel like I'm from London, uh, I went to school there. I had to apply for a visa because I never got a British passport. I had to apply for a visa mm. to live in England. And I was like living here for like 12 years already. Mm. Like it made no sense. Yeah, and, and
1: that and that and that's the that's the message that Brexit sent. That it was just basically saying, Yeah, you 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 think this is your home. It's not. And that was the message that a lot of people felt, and that's why it's one of the reasons why Brexit became so such a hot topic with with such high emotions, because people really took it personally. It affected people's identity. Like, and not not just in the sense of, are you British, are you not? But it also became, a, are you a remainer or are you a leaver? And that just seeped into who we are as people. Are we the people that are responsible for everything that's happening in the government, all the chaos, et cetera. Or yeah, it just became, it broke our country essentially.
0: So you actually met Nigel in person. So mm. it went from you calling into his show. I wonder like from his point of view, like what he thought, like meeting you, because he I bet he thought you were annoying calling him every, all the time. Like, <laughs> what is this guy always calling up? And now you're like face to face across him. That must have been really interesting. Were you nervous to meet him?
1: I was definitely nervous about how it would go because I know how he operates. And so the moment he realized that I was going to basically trap him into a corner Similar to the one I trapped him in on the phone call because he'd seen me do it before, he basically started shouting over me. Um, and it became a massive shouting match. And then he even said, uh, if you ever, uh, if you're, if you like that again, you won't be invited back on the show. Um, so he's exactly what you would expect of him. Um, mm-hmm. and yeah. <laughs> and the thing is, after that, I then tried to call him up again to basically to get him to admit more of his lies. Uh, but they just stopped taking the calls. And, and I even was like calling, I called like a 100 times on one, on one day nothing. And so I thought, all right, I'm going to I'm going to do this. And so I cre- I went onto Skype, created myself a new a new number and gave myself a different name and used an American accent. Called up, got through first time and got and then schooled him again.
0: Oh my god, is it premium number or is it free?
1: Uh it's free. It's free.
0: Okay. Wow, that's that's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Where did you get the uh what's the word
1: audacity that,
0: audacity <laughs> you're audacious like where do you get the confidence to kind of call like talk talk I don't know what the term is like my English ain't my first language but like you know go head-to-head with Nigel Farage he's like an OG well he is an OG in in the UK right uh oh.
1: Well, it's because I like, I, to... I know I know my stuff. I know okay. that um, I studied EU law at two universities. I know that I worked in, the, in EU affairs, and so I know that I I know that the stuff that they're telling people isn't correct. Mm-hmm. And so I know that if I get them, if I just keep asking them questions that obviously lead in a certain direction, they'll eventually tie themselves in knots when knots when their their rhetoric meets the reality, and people will see. Oh, hang on, those two don't actually match. Mm -hmm. And so I know that I can win any argument against Nigel Farage.
0: That's so cool. Honestly, I think outside, like he seems quite funny because he's like, he doesn't need self-acceptance. And I think that's it. That's uh, that is very a great trait to have. Like he doesn't care whether you like him or not. He's just going to do him. And I think that's one of the greatest traits and you just going head to head with him. Like I was watching your debate and I just think it's, it's, it's amazing. Um, so like when people ask you, what, what do you do? Like, is political activism, a career? Like what, what, what actually do you do? Um,
1: yeah, that's, that's the thing. Um, so I gave up my job in 20, at the end of 2017. Um, and so I was basically keeping myself afloat by crowdfunders during the campaigns. But that ended at the end of 2019. Since then, I've basically been surviving off, A, media gigs, uh, writing articles for newspapers and Patreon and a couple of, um, like, GoFundMe, et cetera. Uh, okay. And that's how I stay afloat. Uh, wow. Because I honestly could not see myself doing anything other than doing all I can to stop Boris Johnson and the Tories from hurting people. That's that's all I care about.
0: Would you never go back to law? Because it's something that... I. I... I imagine you can go because you have all the degrees, right? You can go and get a job today if you wanted to become a lawyer. Right? Uh, Especially yes, now I because could, you're could, like I a could. big star. People would hire you straight away.
1: <laughs> I could definitely go into into the go down the law routes. So I I'd have to dictate the law practice course if I wanted to be officially a lawyer, but I could definitely rejoin a more like nine to five year sort of job if I wanted to. Um but again it's the sort of thing of like, the very reason why I got involved in this was that sense of, oh, crap, there's nobody at the wheel. Like, nobody's driving this car. Um, and so I know that I fill a gap that nobody else seems to be really filling. Mm-hmm. And so for as long as I feel that there's a need for what I have to contribute, I have to keep doing this. It's uh, it's the Spider-Man um, uh, principle. of uh, yeah. I have the ability to do this, therefore I have to do this.
0: And also you're hopeful. We're all cynical. We don't think that we can make any difference in anything. Like I've spoke to many people about what's going on in the UK and especially like Boris Johnson and how he's doing these parties. And they're like, well, I don't agree with it, but there's nothing we can do, you know?
1: So so that, that's, that's the thing. Um, like, and I, and I stole this quote from Martin Luther King, which is that the, Arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends towards justice. That means that, yes, things may take a while for things to get better, but ultimately that's the direction that things go. And we know that in the UK because, uh, well, and to to extent uh, in the States as well, because in all but three elections since the Second World War, the majority has voted for parties to the left of the Conservative Party. Now, unfortunately, because of our voting system, the Tories have stayed in power for 46 of the last 76 years. So they've had most of the power, even though the majority of the of the country is much more left wing than they are. And so, but eventually it is just a matter of just how many times we got to roll the dice. We will get to a point where the parties on the left realize that the way to keep Tories out of power is to work together. And that means changing the voting system so that all votes count equally. Now that has to happen at some point and it will happen. It's a matter of time. I don't know. I'm hoping some sort of electoral reform may happen over in the States. But eventually, given that that's the way that's where people actually are, that's the best way for people's views to actually be expressed in the halls of power. That will happen on both sides of the Atlantic at some point. And that's where my hope comes from.
0: It's amazing what you're doing, because I think everyone is hopeless. It's sad to think like they actually don't think that they think that there's two laws in the world. Right or in England, right? So the the people in power, they can do whatever they want. They party, they do drugs, they do everything. They don't get held accountable. And then there's the the citizens who get held accountable for everything. And it's so sad that society is cynical. They don't believe that they can make any difference. And even like voting, right? So many people that I know will refuse to vote because they don't like, especially like in poorer areas in London, for example, they don't vote. They don't think that they can do like their vote matters, for example, and it's sad because that one vote could make a huge difference. Yep. But like, they think it doesn't matter, like, even whether I vote or I don't, like, what's going to happen is going to happen,
1: yeah. And, and 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 again, that is in the UK, that's especially a, pro- a problem with the voting system because, like, uh, just to explain how bad the voting system is here because it works on by you have your own area, your voting district, in as you got in America, I think. Um, and in any given district or constituency, as we call it, if 30% vote for the Greens and 30% vote for uh, Labour, so the equivalent of the sort of the Democrats, um, and then 40% vote for the Tories, the Conservatives, then because the Tories got the most votes, they'll be the one that become, gets a representative. They'll be the ones that, that go into Parliament. They'll be the ones that win in that in that area. Now, that's even though 60% has voted for left-wing parties, the Greens and, La- and Labour Party. So theoretically, if that happened in every single district, every single constituency, then 100 percent of the MPs, the members of parliament, the representatives would be conservatives, even though 60 percent has voted for left wing parties. That's a broken system.
0: So did you see the video of Boris Johnson? Is it real, by the way? I don't know. Like there's a video of him like he's dancing with a lightsaber. Is that actually Boris? (laughs) Boris.
1: I'm going to guess that's fake. <laughs> okay. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that unless I've missed something huge, Boris Johnson dancing with a lightsaber is fake. I'm going to type that in now. Um, Boris Johnson. I don't
0: know. Someone sent it to me. you got to see it. Like, I've asked people and they're like, yeah, it's real. And I'm like, I don't know. It doesn't look like, it kind of doesn't. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay. I'm seeing what you're talking about now. Yeah. So I've seen the picture of Boris Johnson <laughs> dancing in a club. Um, and somebody, and, and I, now I'm seeing that somebody's added a lightsaber to that to, to that footage.
0: So is it is that actually him?
1: It's him dancing, yes, but uh, I think the lightsaber isn't something that he brings to a club. Right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what is this? So, um, he did this during c- c- the pandemic, and everyone mm. is on lockdown, and he, again, like it goes back to me just like thinking, well. They, they're going to do what they're going to do and we can't do what we can do. And I know like, for example, like in, uh, there was a family in East London, Yeah, they had some relatives come over and they got fined like 20,000 20, pounds. Yeah. Like just some relatives. And then you have people who are members of parliament who should be setting an example. I understand they're still humans, but they are the ones who are supposed to set an example and they're not doing the same thing. And, and it, it's, it's, it's sad, but then, when you say this to people, they're like, well, we already knew this was gonna happen. Like everyone is almost like burnt out and cynical. Yep. And yep. like, yep. you're the only person that I know is like, hopeful like, we can make a change. <laughs> like we can do this.
1: Yeah, um, and that that is that is exactly, and that's what they want, unfortunately. They want to drag this out because, and th- when they drag this out, because we, we've known about these parties for months at this point now, um, but they want to drag it out because the longer this goes on, the more people will think, well, everybody's made a big fuss and nothing's changed and they, and so that and they had they the same thing with brexit because there was lots and lots of opposition to brexit um throughout the whole process but they just dragged it on for ages so much that, that that the people just disengaged from the topic and it was harder and harder to get people to talk about it and so they ended up getting a- able to do whatever they wanted and that's why for me you're not going to get the tories to change right now the tories are in power they've got a majority of the seats in parliament, which means they can do anything they want. Even if, the, even if Boris Johnson is found guilty um, by the police, they can still choose to just keep him on. There's nothing we can do to stop him while he's in office. The only time we have a chance to change things is at elections, which is why it's so important to vote. Because it, young people don't vote enough. If we took power, if we took charge of our futures, we can take back this country from the people who keep voting in the wrong direction. That's what we need to do
0: would you never run in politics i think i think you could be a great figure to get people to vote especially like in the hoods yeah like in london you try to tell someone to vote they'll be like what first of all they, they like no because they can't get their head around the fact that their vote could make a change like they they're completely cynical to the system they think what's going to happen is how ha- is going to happen right and i yeah. think you would be amazing you should you should definitely is it not something that is ever crossed your mind?
1: It's definitely something that I think I will probably end up doing. Um, uh, however, unfortunately, <laughs> the problem is that people who end up in power are the ones who seek power, which means why which is why you end up end up getting crappy people in power. My priority right now is to try and make things better, and if gaining power politically at some point helps me do that later down the line, I'll pursue it. But for now, I think I can do more by just calling people out for the things that they're doing um, with the platforms that I have.
0: Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure. Like, who, who, like they, they probably have you blocked. A lot of people must have blocked you on, on social oh, media. Oh, yeah. Right?
1: I'm blocked by several of our members of parliament. Um, so like Steve Baker's blocked me um, and a couple of others. Um, John Redwood. In fact, John Redwood was the funniest because... Um, we, uh, there was, it was during the Brexit years, and I got invited on to debate him on LBC, and so I basically said, all right, uh, well, basically, the, the Tories have done their impact assessment, they've cut, the, cut the calculations, their experts have told them that every version of Brexit they try and negotiate will end up leaving the country poorer, therefore, by pursuing Brexit, it means they're doing something they know will make us poorer, which means they're actively trying to make us poorer. And the, the presenter was like, okay, that's cool for me. Uh, John Redwood, what do you want to say? And he was like, nobody told me I was going to debate. Um, I'm, I'm not, I didn't hear for a for, for debate. I can talk to you, but I'm not going to talk to him. He's flat out refused to debate me, then blocked me on Twitter.
0: Oh my God. What a coward. <laughs> he must have been yeah. scared.
1: <laughs> Apparently so.
0: Yeah, no, or he knows he's in the wrong and, and he has no comeback, you know?
1: Oh, they, they, they know that you can't be in politics for as long as these people have been and not know that Brexit is damaging the UK. You have to know that. I mean, even Boris Johnson in 2011, when he was mayor of London, he went on TV and he was talking about how the EU single market is the reason why London is doing well financially and economically. In 2013, he said he'd vote to stay in the EU single market because we should be able to trade freely with our European friends and partners. Um, And then... Afterwards, he then supported Brexit because he saw it as a way of getting into power and it worked for him. These people don't believe in what they do they're doing, they just believe that it'll help them gain power.
0: That's crazy.
1: Hmm.
0: It's 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 sad almost, but if, like it's the it's the only way, right? And it's almost like big Boris still, they'll do anything it takes to get yeah. that seat, right? It's like Nigel, I don't know, like I've he's he's a character that you can't. Explain. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, well, I try and make the distinction between Boris Johnson types and Nigel Farage types. Nigel Farage types genuinely believe, to an extent, in what they're doing. They have a mm-hmm. political agenda; it matters to them. He's he's fought for years to try and get us out of the EU. He's pushed racist, racist rhetoric forever. That's his entire thing. That's who he is. I reckon he genuinely believes in what he's doing. He might tell lies to get there, but he believes in what he's doing. Boris Johnson is just an opportunist he will he will do whatever it whatever it takes to get power he doesn't care what policies if tomorrow he found out that by being a super lefty liberal it would get him into office and get him more power he'd do it he doesn't care
0: do you think anything will change in the UK regarding brexit do you think there is a possibility that we might get a second chance? to enter the European Union once again, or is this the end of that union between Europe, European Union and, and Britain?
1: I think it's inevitable that we will rejoin the EU. It's just a matter of time. Uh, the reason why is because there are five points that explain why Brexit can't work and has to be reversed at some point. Number one. All countries trade most, do most of their trade with countries that are physically closest to them. That's why America has a special deal with Canada and Mexico. That's why it's an association of Southeast Asian nations, why the African Union exists. That's one. Two, the biggest barrier, the thing, the biggest thing that makes trade harder is having different laws, different regulations, having to adapt your products to the laws of different countries. Now that means that when you add one and two together, it means it will always be in the UK's economic interest to have similar laws to the rest of the EU in order to make trade easier, because they are the closest ones to us. Four, the only thing that Brexit guarantees is that we no longer get a say over the laws of the EU, because we're not members of the EU, we can't vote on their laws anymore. Five, that means we're going to be permanently stuck in a position of having to choose between either following the rules of the EU to protect the economy, but that means that we're ending up following rules we no longer get a say on, which is the exact opposite of what Leave voters wanted, people who wanted Brexit, to control our own laws, et cetera, to be more independent, et cetera. Or we intentionally make ourselves poorer by having different laws to the EU, um, which makes, which people will eventually get, wor- life well, life in the country will get worse and worse. And we're already seeing that now. So we either deliver a pointless Brexit that angers Brexiteers or a damaging Brexit that makes people suffer. And that mm. is a situation where we ca- doesn't last. So we have to reverse that at some point.
0: Wow. I hear that. But do you think that the people in power, they have money, right? So whether everyone is suffering, it's not really going to affect them. So do they care about the people?
1: If the Tories stay in power, Brexit will never be reversed. So it, you have to basically, the only way we make anything in the country, be it on Brexit, human rights, the, the democracy, all the issues that people care about, the only way we make anything better is by getting the Tories out. How does that happen? If Labour's so the leading left-wing party in the UK, commits to changing the voting system to one where all votes count equally within 12 months of taking office, they can do a pact, an agreement with the other parties on the left of of UK politics. That's the Greens, that's the Lib Dems, that's the SNP, and that's Plaid, and basically say, all right, we're not going to compete against each other. We're going to figure out which constituency you're going to run in, your chair you're going to run in, etc. And we're going to make sure that no progressive votes are wasted, And once we all get in power, we're going to deliver a better voting system so all votes count equally, and they will never see the Tories in power again. That's how we fix the country.
0: It sounds so simple. So why do you think no one is, or are they taking it into account?
1: So the reason why it hasn't happened is because um, too many people in Labour are under the delusion that because we live in a two-party system, effectively, first past the post, sort of, they think first past the post, the system we have now helps them because they're the other party. So eventually, surely, because we're a two-party system, they must win at some point. Um, and they haven't really figured out that the system helps the Tories because there's only one party on the right and several parties on the left, which means that the left vote is always split. And so that's one reason. Second of all, they're they, they're worried about about doing deals with other parties because as a party on the left, making an agreement with the liberals, the people in the center, the Lib Dems, um that they, they're so on they're so on the left, well the people that are so on the left in the Labour Party, they're worried that it would damage their brand to do any sort of cooperation with people in the middle. Um that's a sort of tribalism that's just really stupid because the end product and result of that is that you end up with getting somebody on the right in power. So they need to basically swallow their pride and work together, otherwise we're all screwed.
0: Do you think the Tories are only doing it because they keep the money like in their in their ken? <laughs> is that the yeah. right? <laughs> right. No, no,
1: yeah, yeah, there's definitely financial incentive because they grew up around people that are rich. That's who they are. That's who the, that, those are the people they care about. I mean, the, the whole definition of left and right and right wing is about who do you think should benefit from policies in society. So, um, if we're talking about um, uh, right wing, and right wing covers a whole bunch of things. It's either a you want your policies to benefit a certain race, to benefit a certain religious sect, a certain family, a certain bloodline, the top richest one percent. That's how the right wing works. And they and so the people they care about are gonna be one of those things. They care about rich white people, and that's who their policies are designed to benefit.
0: Yeah, that's true. It was so I used to work in hairdressing back in the days, and Jemima used to come and get her hair done there. And then she married it was like I'm not I don't like Emran Khan, but her marrying Emran Khan made like a huge like shock to those those families because and then she, you know, she named her sons like Muslim names. Um and that's you know, because you were just mentioning the families and I just thought Jemima, yeah. she kind of went went against the grain. Um, mm. it's a different world. Cause I used to work in a salon in like in Mayfair, like back in the days, and all these wives and it's they they don't they don't know of people outside of that environment. It's no. they're like in a bubble.
1: Yeah, and, and so because you don't really know and appreciate people outside of that environment, to you emotionally they don't exist. So you can think you're doing the right thing by helping people that you care about you don't really take into account the damage that your policies are doing people outside of your little bubble.
0: Yeah, no. And you mentioned earlier about Syria. Like I, that is like heartbreaking, right? So bad. And I love wrestling. And one of the wrestlers in WWE is actually Syrian and he's doing amazing work in Syria. Uh, Well, and and then also, why do you think, like, so aid workers from the UK that go to work in in Syria, they take away their, what's it called? Their passports. The British don't want to work with that. Don't want to give give them their nationality.
1: Uh, Well, as in, in, sorry, the, the people who help workers the from england mm. who have
0: gone to syria to help and work mm. they take away their statesmanship because they think that they work for isis or some shit oh
1: yeah 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 yeah. the the the, the new nationality and borders bill is going to make it much easier for uh, the government to take away citizenship uh from people without even telling them that they're at risk of that happening And um, that is not to mention this. It also includes provisions which basically potentially make you criminally liable if you save somebody's life in the in the in the in the channel who's trying to get to here as a refugee. Um, it's it's just some it's typical far right stuff.
0: That's crazy. As my mom was the, a asylum seeker, right mm. back in the days, and I just look at now like the situation, you know, and and when I see Pretty, for example, like she is for her family from Uganda, right? Mm. Uh, if if that system was in place right now, what she's doing, she would not be in the UK.
1: Oh, no, she's literally said that she doesn't think her, her family would have been able to come if under her own immigration policy. She's known for that. She's literally like, said uh, said that.
0: What do you think her incentive is? I mean, I, I understand it was a long time ago, but like... If like I feel so connected to Africa, I don't know if you do, but I do. Like that's my motherland. I love it, and I will do anything for my people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. She's like so disconnected. It's unreal.
1: Yeah, uh, and it's it just depends on on how selfish you are as a person, and that and that's the thing. If you if you think, all right, I've reached this position of status, therefore I don't care about all the people that are left still at the bottom who haven't yet managed to climb that ladder that I've climbed. So I'm just going to push that ladder down. That's what she's doing. Um, I, I couldn't do that. I couldn't do that. I mean, I, every time I visited Nigeria, I've been very, very, very much aware that if I'd been born in it, well, if my mother had been born in the house next door, my life would be completely different. I wouldn't have any of the privileges that I have right now. So that sense that you can just, Say, all right, they, I don't see them, so screw them. Is it, some people are capable of that? Some people aren't. It's just, are you a decent person or not?
0: It's crazy to to comprehend, man.
1: Mm.
0: Do you go back to Nigeria often?
1: Uh, last, uh, not often. Last time I was there was the start of twenty twenty, um, uh, in January, just before everything ended. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that was from my granddad's funeral. And again, I was, I was just, I was very much feeling it there um and I, I did a stupid thing um I I saw somebody by the side of the street and I was just like oh shit this isn't okay so I just basically gave them the cash that I had which is a stupid almost white savory sort of thing to do but I was just like I don't know what to do this is just it's just so fucking unfair so I'm not sure if I swear but yeah
0: no you are yeah yeah yeah
1: um and I'm just uh, acutely aware that we need to fix poverty and and it's And it's crazy in Nigeria because like, if you look at the center of Lagos, it's basically indistinguishable from Los Angeles. It's the same level of wealth, the same level of just- They drive Rolls
0: voices in Lagos.
1: Yeah, Uh, but if you just go like 10 miles out of the center and it's what you'd see on an Oxfam ad, it's mental the levels of disparity between the rich and the poor over there.
0: Nigeria is like a really trendy spot right now. Everyone's going there. People who are not even Nigerian wanna go to Nigeria. Like it's the place to be right now. It's it's crazy how when I was growing up in London, it was all about like Caribbean, like Jamaica was like the in place. And now it's like Nigeria. Nigeria is like running it. Even the music, like, they're they're killing it in music. I love Nigerian music. Do you listen to much Nigerian music? Uh,
1: not as much as I probably should when I was over there, but I, I saw I saw exactly what you're talking about. They are building in, in Lagos. Like, uh, that. there's that... I, can't, I don't remember what it's called, but they're building, basically, into the sea. There's an entire area that's, like, really, really cool, and they're just creating new lands, just basically go out just to get more space. It's insane.
0: Mm, even, like, in Nigeria, as you mentioned, the wealth gap, yeah, there's so the richest African man in the world lives in, is Nigerian. I forgot, mm. Dangote, right? That's his surname. Um, even them, like how, how do you think they 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 are in Africa? They can see, cause mm. they can see it all around them, right? Yeah. And they don't, it, there, it's, 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 there's something like we're missing. I feel like there's information that we're missing. Because even even in India, Ambani, one of the richest men, he lives in Bombay, Mumbai, right next to the slum, the biggest slum in the world. And he's not doing anything.
1: Yeah, so for me, like there's obviously lots of corruption I and mean, we've got corruption in the UK, of course. We've very much seen it. Several corruption scandals with Boris Johnson basically sell, using all the money that was supposed to go to COVID contracts basically to give it to their mates and, and buying PPE protective equipment that didn't work because they wanted to use them a mate's company that kind of stuff hundreds, and, hundreds of millions of pounds just wasted but there's also corruption in, in Nigeria and i think that's the core of the problem so you'll have infrastructure pro- um, projects to build roads but then the money just won't get to where it needs to go because it's gone into somebody's pocket along the way and i think i think when i was speaking to my, my family who live over there i was like trying to figure out what would make things better what would solve the problems and i have to say it's about procurement which sounds like a really just annoying and boring wor- word but it's just like the way in which the government spends money they need to have criminal sanctions if the money doesn't get used properly and i think that would be the thing if if everybody knows that if there's a certain target for when this project has to be finished and how much it's supposed to cost and if they don't meet it they're going to jail i think that would solve so much of the problem
0: yeah they have that and they had that in tanzania but the president passed first were missing and then passed away so he was putting into place all these things like no corruption if you're a corrupt leader even in the government you get in prison like you can't take money at the table none of that he ends up passing away so that's another story but you mentioned like the ppe thing uh michelle mohn was caught into this scandal and i grew up a huge fan she she invented the wonder bro right She's from Scotland. She invest- So obviously I'm a fan of her and she came from like nothing. And to see her now with everything and and doing corporate fraud, but she came from the other end, it's very strange to see.
1: Yeah. It, it, it's the it's the pull, up the pull up the ladder thing. Once you get to a certain level of status, you think, well, I'm here, um, so I'm good. Do you <laughs> Do think you, you ever become
0: like that if you
1: ever cross over? I don't think... The uh, thing is, like, my entire... Uh, as I said, I, I got to a dark place when I when Brexit was going ahead, um, when um, when we lost the election. And that was on the basis of um, went through trauma as a kid, gave me a whole bunch of emotional issues, channeled it into doing good, basically basically honed my entire life has all been about. I need to make use of what I went through in order to do good and help other people. Um, and so when I, after after the, I knew that I wasn't going to be able to stop, stop Brexit there was a very much a question of what's my life for. Um, and you can guess where that sort of leads mentally. Um, and so the idea that I'd ever get to a place where I'd operate purely selfishly, I don't think I could ever get there.
0: Would you never work as an NGO?
1: I could do that. Or I could do that.
0: Organization. I could see you doing that honestly. And it gives you purpose, right? I could see you in mm-hmm. like Syria or, you know, Afghanistan, um, you i could I could,
1: I could definitely do i could definitely do that sort of work um uh i think my main use however is in if i was working if i was working if i was ever working outside of country my main use would be trying to basically use what i learned there to influence things back here because i think that i've got essentially a gift in terms of communication o- over here which i think is my is where i'm most useful um mm. so i could def- but i could definitely see myself um i mean i want to use my french language as well because that's my other that's my other language, that's my second language um, do so you I'd speak work... nigerian uh yoruba i don't um oh. i have like 20 words and that's about it my parents instead of teaching me how to speak yoruba they use it as a way of speaking in code so we me and my brother wouldn't be able to understand them so that's oh. a great job mom and dad
0: <laughs> wow that's crazy uh like a lot of people are learning because of the music right so like mm. as i mentioned earlier like Jama- jamaican music was so hot right now i see like ed sheeran trying to speak Yoruba on TikTok it's, it's, it's so cool to see because growing up it was all like Africans were like oh and I'm from Africa it was all about Caribbean they were like the cool and now to see <laughs> Africa like on the main stage it is amazing mm. it's almost like we've been we've wanted this for a long time <laughs> I'm so happy for it seriously
1: yeah t- yeah t- t- especially like TikTok um, there's so much Nigerian content on TikTok it's amazing
0: yeah, so do you think that keeps you in touch with your like culture?
1: Uh, yeah, to a certain to a certain to a certain extent. I I, I don't. I think there's definitely. I definitely don't got room to improve on that on that front. But uh, it's definitely a help. TikTok do you is basically
0: fun. Do you eat
1: I know. I'm I'm more of a jollof rice and dodo sort of guy. So fried plantain.
0: Okay, I love plantain. No, so we eat ugali. It's the same thing as mm. fufu, but mm. I grew up eating that. So yeah. Um I just want to say thank you so much for coming on here and educating us.
1: Thank you so much for legend,
0: I love everything you're doing and I love the the hope that you have and I want you to to like impact all the youth especially like hoods. They don't want to vote cuz they don't think that their their voices matter. They don't think that they matter. They think that they're just left unwise yeah. and unvoiceless. you know that, and that's and, the thing like I've, got, I've
1: gone I've gone to um to schools and I've spoken to like 16 17 year olds and the first question I ask is who here cares about politics and the next until so like one or two hands will go up and so the next question I ask is who here cares whether or not you can get a job when you leave school who here cares whether or not you can get treated by the NHS or the health service who here cares how much stuff costs in the shops all the hands will go up and I'll say well that's politics. And I get it because I was not engaged in politics at that age either. For me, especially as somebody living in Darlington, the Northeast or in Birmingham, politics was just basically old white men down in London, hundreds of miles away, away, shouting at each other. I didn't see any connection between that and my and my life. So I basically, it took it took realizing that this does affect people's lives. And I think especially after the pandemic, people are seeing politics have a direct effect on their lives. And so I hope things will get better because of that.
0: Yeah. And I think, I think you're so inspiring, right? Cause like so many like the young, young, uh, how do you I, like, you have to be so politically correct. Like young black boys can see you as an inspiration and be like, look, I don't need to become a drug dealer. or I don't need, like this guy is doing big things and he's out there with these old white men doing his thing and he's killing it. And he's Nigerian too. <laughs>
1: Yeah, well, that, that, that's one of the reasons why I, I do this, because I wanted people to see themselves reflected, um, in the political discourse so that they don't, every time they turn on the news, it's not just an old white man in a suit. They can actually see somebody from a different Democratic, somebody who actually looks a little bit more like them, um, and might not understand a little bit more where they're coming from. Um, and so that's one of the things, reasons why I feel like it's okay for me to put my, my face forward.
0: I love everything that you're doing and you give us hope like for all like you really do It's it's so amazing what you're doing and and your hope for for change is so good because when you're around everyone who just is like this is it you Mm -hmm. know and it's so rare like I didn't even think that there was people that actually think that they could make a difference
1: oh I, I think I think it's necessary I think like I said the arc of the moral universe is long but it tends towards justice this this cannot carry on. Like people, the, the, the worse they do, the more people see that they're doing bad. And therefore, the more rage that, that that we get and the more push there is to make things better. So ultimately, this can't go on like this, and there will be change.
0: I hope so. Seriously. I can't believe it. I had to apply for a visa. I sound like the most person, like London, you listen to my accent, you would yeah. never think that I, I need a visa to be in England. Like that's crazy. You yeah. know, <laughs> so I do hope that a lot of changes. Is it, is it easy for people right now from Europe to come to, to England to get work?
1: Uh, not particularly. Uh, no, not really. Um, I mean, the reason why we're burning pigs in, in fields is because we're struggling to bring over um, uh, people to, to do that work. Uh, I've got a friend of mine who even a doctor and even he struggled to um, to get work, to get registered here in the UK. And get get the the visa requirements he needs um so yeah it's it's complicated now
0: it's yeah, so complicated do you think that they might alternatively start investing in the people here already like the British people like become a doctor do you know what I mean these jobs that I needed like you mm. instead of instead of like employing outside even like nurses right they bring nurses from India and the Philippines why mm. can't they start you like getting women or men to become nurses in the UK.
1: Yep. Uh, I, I, I agree. There's there's been a there's been a failure of recruitment and a failure of making the I think the, the the more they underfund the NHS, the more stretched and the more difficult the nursing job becomes because there's just fewer of them, there's less resources, et cetera. And so the less attracted that position be becomes, and therefore the less the fewer people want to actually become nurses, and the problem just multiplies itself. And that's
0: what my mom is a gynecologist nurse. Mm. And you cannot they they like especially in London, for example, you get paid twelve hundred pounds, yeah, and your rent is one grand, yeah, so you yeah. have two hundred pounds left,
1: yeah. and what
0: like, and you got kids and you like it's mental, man, seriously. So I really hope that you know you you go on to like be the prime Minister of England for <laughs> real. I swear. <laughs> It didn't make the difference, Ross. Man, seriously, I <laughs> want to say thank you. Do you like wrestling at all? Because a lot of the work I do is around the WWE. Do you like uh, wrestling? Did you uh, I, most of it? I, I,
1: I, I do on occasion, but mainly because my my best friend and flatmate is totally obsessed. So I will definitely tell him about that, anything you've got.
0: But who is your favorite wrestler?
1: Um, oh, it's been a while, um, <laughs> and I'm not going to say Velveteen Dream because he's now extremely problematic. Um, uh, so I, I don't know who I'd say um okay. yeah i have got to have to pass
0: all right then well where can we find you uh
1: so i'm on twitter facebook instagram and you and tiktok and youtube as femi underscore sorry so f-e-m-i underscore s-o-r-r-y
0: okay thank you so much for coming here i really appreciate it
1: thank you very much for having You're me
0: a legend. i can't <laughs> wait to see what you do this year thank you take care
1: you too Hey yo, check it out! It's the kid, and thank you all for listening to this week's episode of Vocal Minds with Sophia. Sophia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can find this podcast on Spotify, Google Play, Amazon Music, and now on iTunes. All right? Follow her on both Instagram and Twitter under Vocal mind Sophia, and don't forget to tell a friend about the podcast. Matter of fact, tell. All your friends about the podcast. What are you waiting for? Honestly.